Well, good morning. My name is Kurt. Um, very, very excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, if, if you have some seats in the middle, if you wouldn't mind scooting in just a little bit, we've got some people out in the lobby waiting to get in. So uh, we're excited that you're here as we continue and wrap up our, our series on, on waiting and what that looks like to, to wait on God to be present in those moments that sometimes we don't like to be in. And uh, if you were not able to be here for the last couple of weeks and, and, and hear some of the messages that we've had in this series, I absolutely encourage you to check out the Vimeo page online and, and hear some of these teachings. It's been so great for me personally just to uh, be under this teaching and to hear uh, some of these encouraging things from the Bible and also very challenging things from the Bible on this very difficult and sometimes unpleasant topic of, of waiting uh, and waiting on God and what that looks like. And even, even this week... Uh, my wife and I went to Bongo Room, which is a restaurant, uh, a couple locations around. And if you have not been, um, you should go immediately after this gathering is over. It's fantastic. Uh, but when you go, it, you will wait um, for a while. Uh, it's one of those places that crazy people like me uh, will, will wait in line for an hour to get a table. Um, and, you know, going up and I'm checking with, with uh, the hostess and I'm like, oh, how, how much longer for looking at the list to see which name is higher than mine. Ben, how, how much longer for Ben? Cool, yeah, party of two, Ben. You know, that's not my name. Um, you know, but uh, just trying to get in. And, and in those moments, right, when we're, when we're waiting for something, we can get antsy, we can get nervous. And I was really, really trying hard to uh, apply Pastor Genius' teaching from last week about how when we're waiting, we're admitting that we're not in control. And so I was trying to just relax, but I was really hungry. Um, and then there's other things that are more important, um, even than Bongo Room. Right? And, and I had a phone call with our insurance company this week as well. And, and so you've maybe had those. You know how those go. Uh, thank you for calling Blank Insurance Company. Your call is important to us. You are a valued customer. You are 37th in line. Your phone call will be answered in the next two to four days. Right? And you've had that moment where you're just like, oh, right? and you're waiting. And that call, for me, was more important. It was, it was an important conversation that I needed to have. It was an important question I needed an answer to. Uh, and when we're in those moments where something's more important to us, waiting becomes even that much harder, that much more difficult. Giving up that control is that much more painful even at times to admit, I can't do this. I can't fix this on my own. And, and so today, as we talk about waiting, as we wrap up this series, we're looking at the idea of God's will. And, and for many of you, you've had this question in your life where, you know, what is God's will for my life? And, and if he has a will, it's probably pretty important. Right? If there is a path that we're supposed to take, uh, a certain decision we need to make in order to get to where God maybe wants us to go, that's probably a pretty important question. And so waiting for that can be difficult, can be frustrating. Uh, and maybe even for some of us, this might be your first time here, or maybe you've been tracking with Soul City for a while, but you're not, you're not sure where you sit with God. And so you know, maybe some days, if you're honest, you aren't sure if God even exists. And then on other days, though, something seems to check in your spirit that you're just like, maybe this was supposed to happen this way. And if this was supposed to happen this way, maybe there's other things that are supposed to happen, and hopefully they do. And can I mess it up? And, and what if I make the wrong choice? What, what happens then? And so... As, as we get into this topic today of, of God's will, it can be very difficult. It can even be confusing. Even for those of us that might have been following God for a very long time, if we're honest, we might say, yeah, God's will, I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm not, not c- quite sure what that means. And, and so um, 
as we jump into this, it, it, can be, uh, it can bring up some very interesting feelings. And so if you're here this morning and you're, you're desiring to hear from God, I, I want to tell you that that's a good thing. I want to applaud that, that, that whatever it took to get you here this morning, I, I hope that as we leave today, that, that we not only can hear from a God that cares about us, uh, that actually desires for us to know God's will, but also that we can walk out with a tool that will help us in those decisions that we make the rest of this week. As you move forward uh, in your job or in your relationships, that you can have a tool to help you with those decisions. Uh, there, there's a book that um, has been incredibly helpful for me. Uh, that We actually have some if, you, if at the end of this you want to pick one up. Uh, but it's been incredibly helpful for me as I've waded through this topic and made some decisions. It's called The Will of God as a Way of Life by Jerry Sister. And, and he makes this comment um, pretty early on. This is from page 25. Um, so that's about as far as I had to get before I kind of recognized, oh, this is, this is for real, right? So, um, but he says this, you know, the conventional approach to discovering the will of God has a problem inherently attached to it. It betrays a false and negative view of God. We hold this assumption that for some reason God hides his will and thus forces us to go scrambling and looking for it as if God is playing some celestial equivalent to hide and seek with us. According to this way of thinking, God hides his will and we must go searching for it. Ever feel like that? Might be why you're here this morning. In that process, he appears to delight in making things difficult for us. I love how honest he is, right? I felt that way. That he prefers hiding over being found, frustrating us, over us enjoying a relationship with him. And so, as we enter into this conversation, I, can, I understand that it could be tense, so I just want to put that out there. We can all breathe out a little bit. And, and there's, there's things we can certainly admit that God has a will, right? That there's certain things that we're not confused about, right? That, that, that the world keeps turning, and there's certain things that everybody can kind of agree that, you know, this is good. When, when this happens, this is, this is a good thing. But what about my life? What about my specific question, my specific story or situation that I'm waiting for? What, what does God want me to do with that? That a job came up. You've been praying for a job, waiting and asking God for a job, and then an opportunity comes up. Is this the right one? Right? Or you're, you're choosing between a couple different jobs, and one pays more, but, one, you know, but that requires you to kind of move away and, or go somewhere else or, or spend different time with your family. But the other one is, is here, but it, it's not quite as perfect, you think, right? Maybe it's in a relationship, right? That, that you have these questions about, should this relationship go to the next level? Things seem to be going pretty well. Should we get married? Should we move in together? What order should we do that in? Uh, what does God have to say about that? You know, or maybe you're on the other side of that. Maybe if your relationship doesn't get to the next level soon, something might need to change, and you don't know what to do, and so you feel stuck. Or maybe it's, should I sell this house, or should I rent it out, or should I you know, move in, um, you know, with this guy or this girl and, and new roommate situations can ask a lot of different questions. Maybe you're sitting here and, and you've started college and recently it's been a little more difficult. The first week hasn't gone as well as you thought it would and so you're wondering if you made the right choice and if you can still get out of it. And, and we have these very real questions, these very real questions that we ask God for, that we ask God's will about. We're not really stuck on some of the bigger things, but on those small things, we want God to show up. We want God to write out his answer in the sky, perhaps, right? We want him to be very clear. And my question for us today as we look at God's word about this topic is, what if it's not as complicated as we make it out to be? What if it's not that God has some will 
for you hidden at the end of this path, and you have to make sure you scamper down the right path and struggle through life to find it, and, and that as nervous as you are, that we sometimes assume that God is as nervously looking on, going, oh, don't, you know, right, whatever. Like, and as if he's like hoping and praying to whoever God prays to, um, that we make the right decision, right? That, that we would make the right choice and that we are actually ultimately in a lot more control than sometimes we feel we are. What if, what if God isn't trying to hide something from us, but instead his will is not something we have to find, but it's something we have to remain in? What if it's not something you have to go searching for, hoping you do it right, but it's something that we should remain in? What if in those moments of waiting, of decision-making, God isn't trying to hide, but instead is trying to desire us to draw near to him? So there are a couple of big questions that we're going to look at pretty quickly this morning. One is, does God have a specific will for your life? And secondly is, if he does, how do we find it? How do we discover it? How, those moments where we ask those questions, what, what should we do? Do we, do we just page through the Bible and, and, and hope something, you know, opens up and jump out at us? Have you ever done that? I, I've done that a couple of times, right? It's like, God, I need to hear from you. No, I don't like that one. You know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I, I had a, we had a friend that, that they were, you know, they were married and they were starting to think about having kids and, and they're like, you know, what, what should we do? Like, I, I asked God to show me whether or not we should start having kids. And so I opened the Bible and I got to the story of Abraham and it said that Abraham's quiver will be full. What does that mean? I don't know. Oh, quiver? What is that? That's weird, right? You know, and, and, and then she p- turned a couple of pages because the descendants of Abraham are as numerous as the sands on the seashore. She goes, I, uh-uh, I don't want that. That's not what I desire, right? Um, two is plenty, right? Or whatever it was, right? And so sometimes we even get stuck along the way of knowing how to look, how to find it. And, and so today we're going we're gonna to look at a, a passage in, in Romans. And the Apostle Paul was a man of God that, that wrote the book of Romans. And it was a letter to a church, a small kind of birthing church in this humongous city of Rome, similar to Soul City, a little church in a huge city. And, and in Rome, there was tons and tons of people that had been raised thinking that the gods were fickle, that they just made all these little decisions and, and you couldn't trust them and things turned from one end to the other. And, and it was like the gods were playing a game of dice with humanity. And so that's what these people grew up believing was true. And Paul writes something so different for them. And so we're going to check it out in Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. If you have this blue Bible in front of you, you can grab that. If you brought your own, that's great. But Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, in these blue Bibles, it's on page 789, kind of in the bottom right corner. If it's in uh, your Bible that you brought from home, I don't know where it is. But it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. That would be a little creepy if I knew exactly where it was in your personal Bible. Um, but we're going to read this. And, and, and Paul says some very interesting things here. And remember, the, the, these folks that are reading this for the first time, and maybe even some of us as well today think that, that God cannot be understood, that God's will is a puzzle, that we have to go searching for it. And Paul tells us something so different and so encouraging. It says this in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's great mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so he's, he's commending people, commending us, commending these, these Roman first Christians uh, to, to live for God. Right? To live their life in a way that honors God. And so what does that look like? Right? So he goes on to tell us, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's a big promise, right? Those are some very beautiful words that Paul is writing. So poetic, so encouraging, so vague, if we're honest, right? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But, but he draws a very important connection. That when we offer our lives to God, when we begin to follow Jesus, then, that word is important, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And that that will will be good and perfect and pleasing. And the trouble with that is that we often mistranslate that word perfect. I I know I do, right? That perfect to me means perfect to me. And that's not maybe what Paul is saying, right? That what he's saying is there's this principle that the best way to know what God wants is to know who God is. That when we align our lives with God, when we present ourselves to God and begin to follow him and we get in a relationship with him and there's a two-way conversation and we're spending time with him, then we'll be able to know what he wants for you, for me. So the best way to know what God wants is to know what God is. But again, I get stuck on that perfect statement, that things are going to be pleasing and perfect. And I misinterpret that as things are going to work out and I'm going to be happy all the time. And so when things don't work out or I'm not happy, maybe I'm outside of God's will. But we have to remember that, that perfect for me doesn't mean it's perfect to me, right? Sometimes I define perfect as, you know, a perfect day would be one where everything goes great. I don't get any parking tickets, right? Uh, job stuff goes well. I'm in good relationships with, with friends and family. It's 75 and sunny, and they're giving away free Slurpees. That's a perfect day, right? Maybe for you, a perfect relationship is one that's easy and fairly conflict-free. And that was what you expected when you got married, and so now when it hasn't worked out that way, it's not perfect in your mind because it, it has conflict. You're wondering if maybe you married the wrong person. Maybe you were outside of God's will. The perfect job is one where you bank loads of cash, but you don't have to make any difficult decisions, right? You work only with people that you like, and you get plenty of vacation time. If you have that job, I would love to talk to you, right? Because that job I don't think exists. But that's what we think a, a perfect job is. And so when we don't have that situation at work, we wonder if maybe we made the wrong choice along the way. Maybe we went to the wrong school. Maybe we sent our resume to the wrong place. We have to remember that, that God's will doesn't have to be perfect to you to be perfect for you. It doesn't have to be perfect to me to be perfect for me. And if we're honest, we, we nod our head at that. Like That's not a new concept for many of us. Because you can look back at periods of your life, situations where you were not happy with what was happening. It was difficult. It was, it was frustrating. It was confusing. Right? Something didn't go well in your family or something didn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to. And and yet now, in hindsight, you look back and go, I learned more in that season of life. I became a person I actually really enjoy being in that season of life because of that situation. That that wouldn't have happened if everything was fine. If everything worked out the way I expected. So following God's will doesn't mean I always end up exactly where I want to go. But what it does mean is that God's always with me. It does mean that God's promises always go there with me. Because sometimes I think that a perfect God is kind of like Bruce Almighty, right? He's going to answer my prayers immediately and with a yes, right? And we saw how that turned out, right? Terrible movie, but pretty good theology, right? 
If, if my perception of God being perfect in my mind is that he always says yes to everything that I want, well, who, who's really in control then? Right? God's will doesn't have to be perfect to me to be perfect for me. I remember uh, when I was a kid, my family used to go on road trips a lot. And remember when you got your first you know, learner's permit, or you got your license, and it was kind of your first big drive? Like, a bunch of my friends, their family would fly places and stay in hotels. We would drive places and go camping. So, uh, you know, we went on road trips all the time. And I remember my, my first summer road trip that we went on as a family where I had just gotten my license. And so normally my dad would drive the whole time. We would be, you know, the first whole day, day and a half of the vacation, we would be driving somewhere to go to, you know, Lake Powell or, or somewhere in California, you know, or we'd drive to San Francisco from, you know, L.A. And, and th- this time my dad's like, well, Kurt, why don't you drive some of it? And, of course, I'm half terrified and half excited. Uh, my sister and brother in the backseat are terrified. Um, but um, so we're driving, and, and, and things are going along fine. And, and this was before GPS, so, you know, we, I didn't read a map while I was driving because that was dangerous. So I basically just asked my dad, you know, where, tell him where we should go. And along the way, there's always, you know, inevitably a, a detour, a construction. We're familiar with that, right? Or, or, or something would happen, and, and we'd have to go a different way than we had planned, Right? And in those moments, I had a choice to make, right? It would have been terrible if my dad had said, son, drive to San Francisco, I'm going to sleep, let me know when we get there. That would be terrifying, right? Because in those moments when a detour happens or something comes unexpectedly that doesn't go the way I planned, my first reaction was to turn to my dad. Say, whoa, what should I do? And, And my dad wouldn't, surprisingly, push me out of the driver's seat and crawl over and grab the wheel. He would say, just keep going here, turn left, whatever, right? And yet, in our life, when a detour happens or a bump hits the road, we do that same thing, right? We, we, we kind of either have one of two reactions. We either get paralyzed and don't do anything, or, or some of us, me sometimes, just kind of run it and gun it and hope it turns out okay. You know what I mean? But just like on that road trip, I didn't need a guidebook. My dad would not have been very kind if he said, here's a map, figure it out, right? What I needed was a guide. What I needed was someone that I trusted to say, this is where we should go. You still got to drive. You still got to hold the wheel. You still got to push the pedals. But I'm going to get you there. And so for us, right, when we're in those moments and we have those difficult times and we're in that, in that waiting, as great of a guidebook sometimes as the Bible can be, seeking out God's will is not as good as seeking out God himself. We don't just need a guide book. We don't just need directions. We need a guide. I need a guide. Especially when we're making those big decisions. Again, being in God's will doesn't mean that I end up exactly where I wanted to go. But it does mean that God's with me the whole time. That even in those moments where things seem to be falling apart and you're going, God, where are you? Even when you're so confused and, and things don't, you don't know which way is up and you wish God would just write it out in the sky or shout it at you so that you make sure that you heard it. Instead, sometimes it's a whisper. Sometimes it's a prompting. Sometimes it's just a small, sneaky suspicion that I don't think I should go that way. That even in those moments when we make the wrong choice, God still is with us can recalibrate and still get us to where he wants us to go. That's how good God is. This past week was, was 
Katie, my wife, and I, we've been in Chicago for two years now. Uh, and and we, we moved here uh, about two years ago, and that's why we celebrated and went to Bongo Room and practiced waiting. Um, but uh, it's been an incredible journey. But we were thinking back and kind of talking about it and reminiscing about this big choice we made to redirect our life and, and, and move to a new area and, and to go on an adventure that we, uh, had we known everything that was going to happen, we may not have chosen. Um, we were student pastors in, a, in another church for a while, uh, and, and Jared and Jeannie were living in Atlanta at the time, and we had heard about Soul City, uh, and we thought, that sounds fun. Um, I don't even know if Soul City was, had a website yet. I think we were barely on Twitter, so you can tell that's a long time ago, right? Um, and, and we had this conversation, and we're thinking about this, and, and again, the, the choice for us is, are we going to uh, sell the house or rent out the house that we own? Are we going to quit our jobs that do this crazy thing every two weeks? They just put money in our bank account uh, every time. Uh, we're going to tell them thanks but no thanks. We're going to leave good friends and, and family and, and move to a new city where we know very few people to help try and start a church that there's no promise that it's going to even work. Uh, you know, two years ago, none of y'all were here. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a big choice, right? And, and we were wanting to make sure that this was God's will. Is this something God wants for us? And we had a conversation with Pastor Jeannie and Pastor Jared, and I'll never forget it. Because in that moment, as I'm listening to them talk, and we're sharing stories, and we're casting vision, and we're telling them about us, and, and we're saying that we're interested. We want to go. We want to move and, and, and help be a part of this thing. And I'm thinking, here's, you know, people that are about to go on an adventure of a lifetime, it's going to be difficult, and there's two crazy kids that don't have kids of their own yet, so they have plenty of time to do lots of work saying, we'd love to come with you. My expectation was that they were going to say, awesome, yes, please, let's do this, right? But instead, and I'll never forget this, what they said is, why don't you pray about it, ask God, and if he tells you you should go, then we'll see you in Chicago. And in that moment, I learned two things. One is I learned that our pastors have character, because that probably was a very difficult thing to say. Because they were facing the same challenges, right? They were facing the same uncertainty. And the second thing is, is that propelled us into a situation where we had to depend on God more, pray harder, we fasted longer, we asked better questions of smarter people than we ever have before in our entire life. And as difficult as it was, we grew more from that than almost anything else. And I'm so glad that that's what they said to us. Because then when things got difficult when we moved to Chicago, when the house didn't sell, when it took longer to find a job here than we anticipated, when our bank account was down to single digits in front of the zero, right? If I had depended on them saying, yeah, you guys should come, it'd be great. Do you know how mad at them I'd be? <laughs> but instead, that aptly put the pressure on God, who can handle it. He said, I've called him to this, and I'm going to be faithful to you. And it might be difficult. It might not be the easiest thing. Because if God's greatest desire in my life is to grow me, to become more and more like Jesus, then it might mean I have to go through some difficult situations that are going to grow me. If God's greatest desire was for me to be fat and happy, then everything's going to be real comfortable and real easy. And, and, and so in that moment where you're facing that decision and you feel like this isn't working out so well, this isn't going the way I thought. I started college and this first week's been hard, harder than I expected. This relationship is not turning out the way I had hoped. This job wasn't all it was cracked up to be. 
those questions of is it easy sometimes can get in the way of us experiencing what God actually wants from us. I love the way that the message translation reads the same verse that we read before in Romans 12. It says this, says, So fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Readily recognize what God wants from you, and quickly respond to it. When we were thinking about moving to Chicago, had I known all the plans and all the detailed order of how things were going to work, if I had known all the specifics, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have started the journey. And I think that's God's grace. What we did here was, it will be hard, it will take all of you, it will be worth it, and I will be with you. We had to jump before we knew where our feet was going to hit the ground. We had to go because we got a green light, even though we couldn't see across the intersection. And I think the reason God challenges us and puts us in those situations, and maybe the reason why you're in the same situation that you are right now, maybe a different context, but that same feeling is because God's greatest desire is to grow your faith. It's to grow your dependence on him and not yourself. And so he's going to invite us into situations where we say, I don't know what to do. The only thing I can bank on is the character of God. I can't trust my circumstances. I can't trust the situations. I can't trust that I'm going to see a sign. All I can trust is that God is with me because he said he would be. Sometimes there are ways that we can know how to discern. Certain decisions might be wise or might not be. And so we're going to look at a verse that was incredibly helpful for me through that process and still in those moments where I'm making those decisions. He may not spell out his specific will, but this tool could be helpful for us. You know, maybe helpful for you in that moment where you're making that decision that might be unexpected, or it might be something that you've been kind of waiting on for a long period of time. Right, a long period of time. Hopefully this might be helpful. It's a verse out of Micah 6, 8. And again, for me, you know, I jokingly say it helps me know whether I'm hearing from God or maybe I just have indigestion. You know what I mean? Like, how do you know which, which is, which is kind of the push? And so it's on a card that should be on your seat when you came in. Uh, and, and on the front, it has the verse. And on the back, it has three filters. And we're going to get to that in a second. But if you want to grab that and look at it, I'd love for us to read this out loud together. It's on the card. It'll be up on the screen as well. But uh, again, this is something we haven't done in a while, but we're going to read it out loud together. And so out loud means out loud. Uh, so introverts, I apologize. We'll, we'll push through this together. But we can read it together. It says this. The Lord has told you what is good. He has told you what he wants from you, to do what is right to other people, to love being kind to others, and live humbly, obeying your God. And for me, when I'm in those moments of, of stress, or I'm waiting, or I'm confused even, and I run across a verse that says, the Lord has told you what he wants you to do, I usually highlight it, so uh, that's kind of where this comes from. But it asks three questions, and they're on the back of this card, and they come straight out of this verse. And so my hope, again, for you as you're in those moments of decision-making, that you can ask these questions and it will help you maybe make a great decision. The first one is, is it right? Is it right? Is anything about what's happening wrong? Right? That's another way to ask it. For me, I usually have to go a step deeper and say, am I being completely honest with myself? Because I can be a good storyteller. My hunch is maybe you can be too. Am I being completely honest with myself or am I edging the corners off a little bit? 
to make myself feel better? Is it right? And so if the answer to that is no, I hope that helps you make a better decision. You can stop there. It's probably not the right thing to do. It's probably not God's will for you because the Bible says that God is truth. And so is it right? Is it true? If the answer to that is, yeah, there's, there's, this is right. There's nothing wrong about this. Go on to the next filter. Is it loving? Is it loving? Is it compassionate? Does it show mercy to other people? Is it loving? Because the Bible says that God is love and that those of us that follow him ought to love one another. And so is it loving? Is the motivation behind why I'm doing this pure? Is the motivation behind the choice that I'm about to make, is the reason why also a good thing? Is it loving? I'm trying to love this person. It doesn't mean that I always just do what they want. Love can be tough. Love can mean stepping into a difficult conversation instead of avoiding it. Love can mean sacrificing something that you desire for another person. Is it loving? The answer to that is no. You might want to pause. The answer to that is yes. I go on to the third one. And this one's important. And this one is something that only you can tell, right? Is this going to draw me closer to God or not? Is it drawing me closer to God? There are a lot of things that are right, that even are loving, but that might get in between you and your relationship with God. And my challenge for you out of Micah 6.8 is that God's ultimate will is to be connected to you. That, that God has done a lot of great things and, and he knows the world and he knows everybody that's in it, but he's never had a relationship with you before. And so there might be situations in your life that the way you respond to them can either lead you towards God or pull you away from him. And sometimes, surprisingly, counterintuitively, easy situations draw us away from God. Difficult situations, frustrating situations, confusing situations cause us to be more dependent, more aware of our dependence, and draw nearer to our guide, draw nearer to God. So sometimes, instead of asking the question, is this easy, we could ask this question. Is it right? Is it loving? Is it drawing me closer to God? So, you know, God's will for your life can be a confusing thing. But I don't think it's as complicated as we make it. I don't think it's hidden off somewhere. I think it's something that instead, not something we have to find, but instead something we need to remain in. So do you take that job? I don't know. But I do know that God wants you to deal justly, to live with integrity, to love and, and serve the people that you work with work for, and that work for you. So I don't know. But I do know that if you answer those three questions, it's a good chance that it's probably a wise decision and that I do know God will be with you. Does God want you to continue in that relationship? What is God whispering to you? I know that he wants you to be who he created you to be, not try to become someone else to gain the affection or attention of someone else. I know that God wants us to live with pure thoughts and pure motives, to develop a relationship based on mutual submission and respect and not just sexual attraction or manipulation. Is it right? Is it loving? Is that relationship drawing you closer to God or is it pulling you away from him? 
Are you being honest with yourself? Am I being honest with myself? Does God want you to take that job or go to that school or move in with them or start that new thing or invest over here? Again, I don't know. But if those things are right, if they're loving, and if that investment isn't going to take your eyes off of God and put it on you know, this stock and you're going to be watching all this, and, and, you know, there's, not, there's nothing wrong about that, but is it drawing you away or closer to God? I firmly believe that God's desire is that this idea of his will is not something that causes us fear, but it actually gives us great freedom. I really believe that. I see that in the Bible. I see that in the character of God. That we walk humbly with him, we obey him, we're with him, that he's in relationship with us. And so for some of you, maybe this morning, your first and best next step is to begin a relationship with God. To, to maybe some of us, we've, we've been so focused on God. What is your will for my life? Give me the answers to these three questions. Show me this. Give me a sign. I want to know the next step. And, and, and maybe it's less of a, of a conversation about more information and more conversation about obedience. Have you done what God's already asked you to do before we ask for more? Have you done the things that he's put in front of you? Or instead of focusing so intently and heavily on him answering that question, what if just for this week, we don't forget that, I'm not minimizing the worries that I have and that you have, I'm not minimizing those things we're waiting for, but we put that on hold just for a little bit. And instead of asking God his will and seeking his will and his answer, what if instead for this week we seek him? Just him. It's like, God, I want to be with you. I want to be near you. I want to engage with you in a way I never have before. That might be a big step. That might be a small step. But what if we take our focus off that thing and put our focus on Jesus? Put our focus on the God that promises to be with us. Because the best way to know what God wants is to know who God is. And so when you're in that moment and you're stuck, or you're confused, I pray that you know that there's a God that went through everything that you've gone through. It's experienced human life to the fullest. The good, the bad, the joy, the sorrow, the great community, the great friendships, and the deep betrayal. The exciting days and the very, very painful days. And the Bible says even to the point of death, God understands your situation. So it's not something that we have to find. God's will is not something we have to find. But it's something that we have to remain in. So my prayer for you, my prayer for myself, is that we would find a way to remain connected. Remain connected to Jesus in our waiting, through those decisions. And that as we step forward in freedom and in confidence that God is with us, that we'll, we'll discover what it is he wants to do in our life and that we'll do it. So I hope this card will be helpful for you this week. Please feel free to take it with you. Let me pray for you guys, and then we're going to continue to respond to God, to connect ourselves and focus our attention on Jesus as we sing together. So let's pray. God, we come to you not in, in fake posturing of we have it all together, but 
God, for many of us, even here right now, with deep questions, with deep concerns for what we are to do next, maybe even deep pain in the situation we find ourselves in. God, and, and ultimately, our deepest desire is for a deep connection with you. And so, Father, I pray for myself and for everyone in this room, God, and everyone that can hear my voice, that we would focus our attention not on what you can do for us, not for you know, the answer to our question, and not even worrying and wondering so much about your will, but God, that we would engage and focus our attention on who you are. God, help us not to live in fear, but to live in freedom and confidence that you are with us. God, that even when we might make a decision that we shouldn't have, even when we, we fall, God, that, that you are there to pick us up and to help us keep going. And Jesus, ultimately, we thank you so much that you did not just give us a guide and say, figure it out on your own. You didn't just give us a map. You didn't just give us a direction. You gave us yourself. You came for us to be our guide. And so God, help us to focus on you, to follow you. Thank you, God, that you make your will known and that it's pleasing and perfect and good. God, thank you that it's for our benefit. It's not to cause us fear, but it's to grow our faith in you. And so, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.